Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All right, coming up in a couple of minutes, I want to talk about Darnell Washington. Uh, Washington's one of the most fascinating players in this Georgia team, and there are like two things that I think I sort of wish for Darnell Washington before the end of the year. I'd sort of take one or the other, but if I could get both of them, that would be great. We're going to talk more about Darnell here coming up in just a few minutes. Before that, though, let me start with another example of high praise coming for Georgia. Some of you like this, some of you don't, but it's important to give you kind of a survey of what's out there. There's a guy named Joel Klatt. Now, I like Klatt as an analyst. At one point in time, though, he was probably kind of leaning into that sort of anti-SEC shtick a little bit. I guess easy for me to say. The anti-SEC shtick, a little bit like Danny Cannell um, was. I think Cannell finally owned that corner so much that Joel decided just to be a regular analyst. And I think since making the decision to be just sort of a regular analyst, I think he's become a pretty good one. He works for Fox, so you may not see him a ton georgia doesn't play on that network currently but uh but i think he's a pretty good analyst and he was doing one of his little you know video type things a little bit like how they would maybe do around here and he was talking about how for georgia when he looks at all the things that make georgia different here right now you see improved performance maybe but maybe an improved mindset for Georgia that stands at the forefront of the success they've enjoyed through three games. Klatt's a good analyst. I think this is a pretty good breakdown of UGA. I think most of you will agree with it. This is Joel Klatt from the internet here this week. Take a listen to the Fox analyst. Are they deep? Yes. Are they talented? Yes. They recruited ridiculously well. Are they better on offense? Yes. Are they more explosive? Yes. Do they have better players on the outside? Yes. Bowers looking at you. Is their quarterback playing better? Yes. All of it. All of it. But it's not just about that because they were talented before. This team, by the way, probably isn't more talented than, than last year, but they have something that the other teams at Georgia haven't had, and that is confidence. Here's what, what it boils down to. Georgia is playing like a team that doesn't just think that they're really good. They know that they're really good. When did that happen? You could say, well, they won a national championship. Yeah, 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 they won a national championship. It's not about the ring and it's not about the trophy. It's about who they beat. They could not beat Alabama and they finally did it. I think that's actually a really good breakdown from Joel Klatt there. And I think what he says kind of makes some sense and it's a little bit of a pushback against what i think is a more common narrative and frankly a little bit of a tiresome narrative of oh you got to be careful after three games you don't get too confident we would all understand there's you know a degree which that's probably true but that also becomes a little tiresome after a while because you sort of hear that everywhere you turn oh be careful you don't get too confident don't start believing yourself too much do you lose your edge do you lose your focus I mean, obviously, that is worth considering, but I think what Joel Klatt says there is, what if you turned that narrative upside down and you considered something different? What if the increased confidence that Georgia has is actually making it better? Because they're clearly having fun. On Saturday, that was one of the things you would define about that day. Smiles on faces, pats on backs, players feeling con- appearing to feel connected to each other. They're blocking for each other. They're celebrating uh, good moments for each other. It certainly it sort of seems like the increased confidence that Georgia has that Joel Klatt says they have may be making them a better team. And I think that's worth considering the possibility that that might be true. And you don't want to get too confident. We, we, we all understand that we're all fully briefed on rat poison being a bad thing. We've heard that a thousand times by now. 
But maybe we should consider the opposite side of that coin there a little bit there, too, is that Georgia kicked in a pretty big door last year, not just winning the national championship, but the team that it beat to win that national title. And all of a sudden now you don't have to hear 40 years anymore. You don't have to hear really any of that kind of stuff anymore. You don't have to hear any of those things to be said about you anymore. All of a sudden now you're able to kind of go out there and just see just how good you can be. And Georgia in that position through three games, I think this team, coaches, players, they seem to be having a lot of fun with all of that. I think that Joel Klatt's words are accurate and probably very well said. Now, the player who maybe embodies all of this the most, I believe, may be Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. There was one moment from after the game there on Saturday where he was kind of asked about the the precision of the Georgia offense, the standard that they're seeking on offense. Remember, they had a season to be, a game to begin the season with touchdowns on seven consecutive drives. That is perfection. That is every available yard, every available point, seven consecutive drives. So right now you're talking about a Georgia offense that is playing at a level that's pretty close to perfect at times. And that standard that, that Georgia's setting for itself, certainly when Stetson talked about that after the game on Saturday, he spoke with some of that confidence that Joel Klatt says he sees in UGA. Here is Stetson from the game in Columbia on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it, it was satisfying. But, you know, uh, going into this week, you know, you want to get better. And then you start, you know, you expect you expect perfection, right? It's never going to be that. But you, you, you expect that. And so once it happens, you're like, all right, all right, good. Next time. So that's a competent quarterback that you're hearing right there. That is a leader of this team. That is a guy who is setting the standard and help describing the standard, performing to that standard for Georgia each and every Saturday. And when Joel Klatt says the things that he's saying, when other analysts, we played you the Peter Burns audio earlier this week, or talking head, you know, pundit types, um, when they're when they're talking about Georgia right now, they're talking about a team reflected by the words that a guy like Stetson Bennett uses right there. And it is really interesting to hear the conversation around Bennett here at the moment. Like, this is a guy who has gone, we would say, from being a good story, which he has been now for quite some time, to actually just being a good player and a key part of a Georgia offense that's playing better than it ever has in program history through three games, I would say. And, you know, certainly at a statistical level, far better than it was uh, a couple of years ago. And really each year, the Todd Monken offense seemingly getting better and better and better. And so far through three games, it's been better than it ever has been. And Bennett's been a big part of that. So it is actually sort of a natural progression here that the quarterback of a team enjoying that kind of success, playing with the kind of confidence that Joel Klatt says he sees, it is only a natural progression that, of course, a quarterback like that would be a part of the Heisman Trophy conversation. And so I've been thinking about this for the last few days, and I kind of wanted to spend a couple of minutes here on the show right now in light of what national media types are saying about Georgia and the way in which Stetson Bennett is kind of a catalyst for this. We've kind of gone from what we said during the offseason, which was at the odds that were available to Bennett, that was kind of an easy, you know, uh, long shot type bet that that the overall odds were probably better than he was given credit for during the offseason. I think everybody kind of looked at that and thought, well, if Georgia's as good as it can be, then, then Bennett may have better odds than this. And all of a sudden now it's kind of gone from being kind of this sort of like cute thing or kind of fun consideration to now it's just real that as you start to move into the the heart of the season you know getting ready to transition to october getting back into sec play again on saturday you start to think about more than just hey could stetson bennett be a heisman finalist could be a part of the heisman conversation you start to wonder could he actually win the dadgum award could he actually go out there and do that here this year and obviously, a lot still needs to happen for any player to win the Heisman Trophy, whether it be Bennett on Georgia or any other player on any other team. 
But as we start to take this very, very seriously, I think there are probably kind of three things that would be kind of steps along the way for this to happen. So if you're a Georgia fan who's enjoying the ride that Georgia's on, that you'd like to see Bennett be the guy that gets the nod, oftentimes the way that best player on best team sometimes does, or maybe the focal point player of the very best team in the country sometimes does. Here are the three steps that I think are necessary for a guy like Bennett to kind of keep this confident train rolling for Georgia, moving down the uh, track of the season, and maybe eventually resulting and a Heisman Trophy for him. Here are the three steps towards getting that done, I believe. Here's step number one. There are some guys you're going to have to root against. And if you want the Bennett um, story to continue to be at the forefront of college football, then you probably got to root a little bit against the Ohio State quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Now, some of you would say, done, easy to do. And I would say, (laughs) I understand where you're coming from on that. Most of us don't really like Ohio State very much. But Stroud is one of those guys that we haven't really seen him in big spots yet. I think on Saturday against Wisconsin, I think this may be a game in which, uh, you know, Ryan Day looks to get his offense going a little bit. I think the Notre Dame game to begin the season was a little bit of a showcase for the defense. I think they try to turn up the offense a little bit against Wisconsin on Saturday. So we could see some growing hype for C.J. Stroud a little bit after Saturday. If you're a Georgia fan, you want Bennett to be a part of that Heisman conversation. You probably got to root against Stroud. Most of you do that already anyway. I think Bryce Young is probably a little bit of the same kind of deal. But here's the fact. If you want to start really getting serious about Stetson Bennett winning the Heisman Trophy, I actually don't think Bryce Young is as stiff as competition. And I think that Bryce Young is a very good quarterback. This is not me disparaging Young. But, you know, he won the award last year. And we don't really see a lot of sort of back-to-back Heisman considerations. There's only been one back-to-back winner in Heisman Trophy history. And I think that most voters are a little bit allergic to voting for the same guy two years in a row unless that guy in that second consecutive year just makes such a strong case for himself that you have to do it. For the most part, Heisman voters seem pretty content and intent on looking for someone else. So if you're taking the Bennett candidacy really, really serious, I don't think your stiffest competition necessarily comes from Bryce Young. I actually think the guy that you might have to root against the most of anybody, maybe Caleb Williams at West at USC. There is just a media industrial complex that's desperate for the West Coast to be relevant and USC is the best hope for that. Uh, you got uh, USC at Oregon State on Saturday, kind of an interesting game. Uh, obviously, Williams has gotten off to a pretty good start. He's playing in the Lincoln-Riley offense against Pillow Soft defense, as you would expect him to have good numbers, and he probably will. But eventually, you're going to see a very strong machine just sort of built up around Caleb Williams here. So if you're really, really serious about – Stetson Bennett winning the Heisman Trophy, rooting against Williams probably makes some sense there on that. So that's step one. There are some guys you probably have to root against. Certainly C.J. Stroud, definitely Caleb Williams, maybe a degree Bryce Young, but I think the media probably, or the Heisman voters, some of which are media, they probably want to vote for somebody else here this year. Here's step number two. I think Dog Nation has got to kind of center around one guy here because if you just look at my mentions on game day, the people who were kind of interacting with me on social media Obviously, there's a lot of love for Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett, Heisman this, Heisman that. But after Saturday, you've also got some of that for Brock Bowers there as well. And you really haven't gotten any of that yet for Jalen Carter, who I believe is probably still Georgia's best overall player. Um, but he's been a little bit banged up, didn't play a ton on Saturday. But eventually, he's going to start doing Jalen Carter things back when he's healthy and you know playing full games again and things like that. And people may say, well, maybe Jalen Carter should also win the Heisman Trophy there as well. 
But if you really want Stetson Bennett, who is the quarterback, and this is typically kind of a quarterback award, that if you want Bennett to be that guy, you probably have to kind of sort of focus around him a little bit that, you know, listen, Brock Bowers may get his just rewards in a couple of years when he's a top 10 pick and Jalen Carter may get his just rewards uh, this upcoming spring when he maybe is the number one overall pick that, that that maybe that's their moment in the sun then coming up in some future April in an NFL draft that maybe right now, but you know, giving uh, Stetson Bennett a chance to be the focal point of sort of end of the season ward type stuff that if Georgia fans really want to get serious about Bennett they probably have to sort of focus their attention on kind of just one guy here with all of that that may be step two towards all of this is sort of recognizing because last year when we were doing the hashtag JD to NYC thing people were like well maybe you should do it for Nicole Dean maybe you should do it for this guy maybe you should do it for that guy and what we said was hey we totally acknowledge that there are other players who are worthy of dis- dis- uh, discussion, and there may even be other players in this team who are actually better than Jordan Davis. But Davis to us was the embodiment of what George was all about. And so, therefore, we put all of our focus, all of our attention on Jordan Davis. And ultimately, he wasn't a Heisman finalist, but listen, he got lots of discussion about that along the way. The campaign really worked as well as it possibly can for a defensive lineman. Uh, but we decided to sort of put all of our focus, all of our attention on that one guy. And if you want to do something like that in this year's Heisman race, then Dog Nation's going to kind of line up behind just sort of one guy again, which actually sort of brings me to my final point. Here is ultimately the thing that is going to allow Bennett to win the Heisman Trophy more so than anything else. That there is a symbolic nature to this award. Sometimes it is about being the most notable player on the best team in the country. And that is going to be Bennett's claim to fame. He is having a very good statistical year when you factor the rushing yards and the passing yards. He's actually having a relatively historic start to the year. Uh, Many of you are aware of kind of what's already been said there on that. But here's what we also know. Like once some of these passing offenses really get cranked up against some of the lesser competition in their own conference, eventually there will be passing quarterbacks who just have better numbers than Bennett has. Bennett's pursuit of the Heisman Trophy is not a statistical race. It's not. It is about being a quarterback leading a better team than Ohio State or USC or Alabama or anybody else that might be a part of this conversation. This is one of the reasons why we're making such a big deal about hashtag go for two in 22. We believe that that's actually the best recipe possible for Stetson Bennett to win the Heisman Trophy. It doesn't have to be Stet to NYC the way it was with Jordan Davis last year. It's simply got to be Stet being Stet, being the confident figure at the front of the Georgia story here right now, the kind of confidence that guys like Joel Klatt are noticing. And if you want him to actually win the Heisman Trophy, then Georgia continuing on the path that it is right now to not be content with one national championship, which it won last year, but to go for two here this year, a second national championship in the Kirby Smart era. And as Georgia goes for two in 22, then the more Stetson Bennett as a Heisman Trophy winner becomes a very realistic possibility. So of all the steps towards actually getting Stetson to New York and that award, that last one may be the most important. As long as Georgia keeps winning and winning in the manner that it's winning right now, you better believe that Stetson Bennett is going to be a very big part of this conversation. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are happy to have you with us no matter how you get to us today live on video 10 a.m facebook youtube twitter twitch we start even earlier than that though at dognation.com and on the dog nation app at 9 45 uh, we'll take your comments there as part of our first and 15 just happy to have you as a big part of our show and for those of you listening to the radio at noon on athens sports radio 960 the ref we're happy to have you there for that 
for those of you that check out the podcast. And by the way, so far so good after a few days of issues with the Apple Podcast player. That seems like a distant memory now. Podcast has been humming right along just the way it always has for all these years. And so for those of you who were patient with us through that, I really appreciate that. And thank you for your continued support of us here at Dog Nation Daily Podcast, video, whatever else. And we wouldn't have the studio. We wouldn't have the resources that we have to deliver the show to you if not for great sponsors. And we are so grateful uh, to them, including our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. And listen, they're a great client of ours. I, can, I consider uh, Bob Tharp and his wife, Ashley, to be good friends of ours. Uh, they're just a big part of our Dog Nation family here. And family is important to Meriwether and Tharp. And sometimes something threatens your family, and that's the divorce process. And listen, here's the thing. Like, that's obviously not fun. That's obviously not good. It's it's the kind of word that carries a lot of extra weight. I totally understand all of that. But sometimes life is about confronting reality on its terms. Whatever hand you've been dealt, confronting that reality. And the confrontation you're about to go through with the divorce process will be made easier, better. You will be made more whole at the end of it all, if you can be more whole. <laughs> that may be bad grammar. But the point is, uh, you can be in a better position when this is all said and done for a happier next season of your life if you have a strong advocate by your side going through this process with you. That's what our friends at Meriwether and Tharp are all about. They are your source for Georgia divorce. That is not something I say lightly because the divorce process kind of complicated, right? Laws can be interpreted and, and can be leveraged in different ways. And there is a way to get a better outcome than it otherwise would be with a sort of different set of circumstances or maybe a different understanding of those circumstances. That's why you want a great attorney explaining all of this to you and pointing you towards a happier tomorrow. So I wholeheartedly encourage you, even if you think divorce might be uh, consideration for you to reach out and find online the Atlanta divorce team.com. And this is not a pressure situation. When you go to the website, you're on your own to search blog posts and podcasts and just maybe kind of just sort of text, dip a toe into the water of, okay, what would this mean? How does this go? And, and, and what's next for me? And as you check out that website, the Atlanta divorce team.com, you may decide the next step is to have one of those free initial consultations with one of the attorneys, which once again, it's not a pressure situation. You're not like committing to do anything. You're just talking about what you might do in certain scenario. And you may find out that's not right for you. And if that's not, you better believe they'll be the first people to tell you that and help explain all that to you. But if it is the next step, all the more reason to have uh, your source for Georgia divorce on your side, our friends at Meriwether and Tharp. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. And if you look closely, you may see uh, Bob Tharp and his whole family there at the Georgia game on Saturday because that's typically where you find them in the fall right there in Athens. Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. All right, Terrence Edwards coming up. We're getting to a lot with Terrence here in just a little bit. Before that, though, I want to go around the doghouse presented today by ServPro. And I told you before, I've got like a couple of things on my wish list for uh, Darnell Washington. I was thinking about it's fall now. Today's the first day of fall. So you start getting a little closer to Christmas. So I was thinking about when I was a kid, how much I used to love those catalogs you come in the mail. Like the big uh, department stores would put out their catalogs. And like one of them was called the wish book. You sort of turn through there and you see all the toys you wanted. And I would always remember at my grandparents' house, we would kind of like start to make our wish list for the things we wanted for Christmas. So this is a little bit like the wish list for Christmas. This is sort of my wish list for Darnell Washington here a little bit. Now, here's the first thing I need to say. And I, I think that there may be a slight misunderstanding about this. And it feels like it kind of needs to be said this way. I believe that Darnell Washington represents a success story at Georgia. I'm not quite so sure that everybody fully understands that necessarily. I'm going to kind of explain more about why I think that is. But 
What's happening for Darnell right now through three games here this year, coming back off of injury, being used the way that he is, I think represents what, if it continues at this pace, is going to be a really good season for Georgia and I th- for him at Georgia, I should say. And I think the story for Darnell right now is an incredibly positive one. First of all, Kirby Smart does not throw compliments around very lightly, and he has really praised Darnell plenty, including Tuesday night after practice, talking about kind of what he's seen from Darnell here this year. And like I said, these are these are not commonly used words from Kirby Smart, words you probably ought to take seriously. Uh, Smart from after, after practice on Tuesday on Darnell. The combination of athleticism and displacement, probably none. I mean, I, we, had a, we had a couple guys when I was at Alabama, Michael Williams. We had some really big, more blocking-wise, offensive tackle-type guys, but he has a, he has a receiving skill set that's unique combined with that size. Um, and the best thing right now about Darnell is he has been working so hard. I mean, he has practiced. You see it usually in year three in guys where you go, wow, man, that guy's matured. Man, that guy knows how to practice. That guy knows how to push himself. And they, they kind of start trusting that if I go really hard during the week, the game will be easy. And I've seen more of that at Darnell this year, and it's really you're, you're able to see it in the game because he doesn't get tired. He pushes. He makes plays. Do you know how hard you must have to work at Georgia practice for Kirby Smart to say, oh, gosh, that guy works so hard? Like, I don't get to go to Georgia practice every single day. You know, no media person does. I even go less than typical media do because I don't live in Athens. But when I do go there, trust me when I tell you, Kirby Smart's not walking around handing out, you know, like bouquets and, you know, uh, you know, candy boxes to, to everybody. And, you know, hey, he's not passing out compliments left and right. He's challenging everybody to go a little harder than they currently are. So when Kirby stresses, gosh, that guy works so hard or has worked so hard, that's the kind of thing that Smart just doesn't say unless that he really means it and you get the sense that he must really mean it because it's not the first time he said something pretty close to that. At the beginning of that statement, he was also kind of referencing the combination of Darnell being such a physical player because he's so big, but also the athleticism to go out there and catch passes there as well. But that's where a little bit of the conflict comes in. I think there are still some Georgia fans, even though Darnell's had what five catches through three games i think there are some georgia fans who still sort of wish that he was maybe even more a part of the offense than he is that's the sense that i get from some of the dog fans that i talked to darnell himself talked to reporters last night one of the things that he did talk about was just how varied and multiple this offense is right now and how many weapons there are such as himself who can go out there and and, and be a big part of the offense at any given time this was darnell from last night we got a lot of weapons that could catch the ball, so why not, you know, air it out? But we also got weapons that could carry the ball, so I feel like just, I'm, I guess, balancing it out, as you can say, uh, make us more deadly in the, you know, in the game. So that's Darnell talking about the uh, state of the offense. He also kind of talked a little bit about what Kirby Smart had given him credit for, the way that he's worked and the way that he's learned how to be a good practicer, to be kind of a part of this program on a daily basis and give his all to UGA, something that everyone that's been close to him has said that he's done so far in the months leading up to the season and during the season there as well. And he kind of talked some yesterday about kind of that process day-to-day being the best version of himself that he can be, a little bit more from Darnell Washington here. I feel like we just take everything day by day, as in like we just stay on our schedule, as in what we did last year, how we practice, just a routine, and uh, we just adapt to the, the routine, and uh, that's kind of how we go with that. 
so that's Darnell getting credit for being a good practicer, talking about them himself, also saying, hey, I'm a big part of a very successful offense right now. And some Georgia fans saying, boy, wouldn't it be nice to get a little bit more from Darnell? Let's give you some context here for a moment. So Darnell is fifth on the team in catches with five catches for 81 yards through three games. Now, this is why I believe that it's a successful season thus far for Darnell. Georgia played 15 games last year. The hope, and I would say, dare say, assumption is that Georgia will play 15 games this year, which means a trip to the national title game at least. Um, And so if you extrapolate 15 games worth of what Darnell has done through three games, then you're going to get a similar number of catches and a similar number of yards to what A.D. Mitchell did for Georgia last year and what Jermaine Burton did for Georgia last year. Two guys that were very important receivers for Georgia last season. Over the course of 15 games, if Darnell just stays on the pace that he's on right now, he's essentially giving you, from a yardage and catch standpoint, an A.D. Mitchell-style year from a year ago or a Jermaine Burton-style year from a year ago. So can we all agree here that if that's what Darnell does, that's a successful year? for a second tight end in this offense where a lot of other guys are also eating in a pretty profound way right now that if those are the numbers for Darnell that's that's pretty good right I think you would have to call that a success and I think you'd have to credit the Georgia offense for getting that out of him if that's the case however I did also admit to you a moment ago that I do have kind of two wishes for Darnell as you start looking ahead to the rest of the season let me give you one of them here so last or during the offseason, I talked a little bit about what Darnell Washington did in 2020. That if you looked at his kind of final two games that 2020 season, the Missouri game, the Cincinnati Bowl game, you may remember us talking about that. What we said was, hey, if Darnell gave you that, what he did in back-to-back games for a full 15-game season, then you're talking about really about 800 yards receiving by the time it's all said and done. And right now we see Darnell on a pace that's slightly less than that from a receiving yard standpoint. He's going to maybe exceed 500 yards. But as it stands right now, with this number of catches for the way in which those catches are kind of being you know, uh, used at the moment, then you're probably talking about a little less from a yardage standpoint than that. So one of my wishes for Darnell, whether it be getting a chance to run some longer routes or getting a chance to maybe make somebody miss when he does catch the football, we've seen a lot of really good yards after catch type runs for some Georgia pass catchers here this year. You wouldn't mind seeing that average reception number, uh, yards per reception number going up for him a little bit, either because of what he does, remember the leap in the Oregon game, or just the speed to kind of run past someone. The, the catches he had against Missouri in 2020, the catches he had against Cincinnati in 2020, those were kind of long, deep down the field catches. He showed his athleticism and speed. So that's one of my wishes for Darnell. Hey, you know, five catches through three games, actually not a small number necessarily. But how about whether it be making a man miss after you make the catch or maybe getting a little longer depth of target when you are thrown to? That's a little bit of a wish for Darnell Washington. I would kind of say that. My second wish is this. This may be the most important thing of all. A moment ago, I said that if Darnell stays on the same pace that he is right now, then you're talking about a very similar year to what A.D. Mitchell or Jermaine Burton did for Georgia last season. However, both those guys had somewhere in the neighborhood of five touchdowns. I think one guy had five, one guy had four. I don't quite remember which was which, but let's just say five touchdowns. And as it stands right now, Darnell doesn't have any and only has one touchdown in his Georgia career. So this actually might be the biggest wish you might have for Darnell. For Georgia fans, we're kind of fascinated by the size, fascinated by the athleticism that want to see Georgia really use him in a big way. You know, maybe that's actually the biggest wish of all, that 500 yards on what would end up being, you know, what, uh, uh, you know, 25, you know, 
you know, catch or something along those lines. Like, you know, that's not a necessarily a small season necessarily. Um, but can you also find a way to get five, six touchdowns and all of that there as well? He was targeted in the red zone uh, against Samford, uh, had a chance to make the catch, one of the probably the few throws this year that Stetson Bennett probably wishes he had back. But maybe that's what it kind of comes down to right there is that, hey, the numbers, the pace that Darnell is on is actually not a bad pace. George is pretty effective using him right now the same way they're pretty effective using everybody else. But can he find the end zone a little bit more? Can he become a red zone weapon for a Georgia team that's still kind of in a work in progress in terms of what it does when it's inside the red zone? That could be the biggest wish of Darnell uh, of all. And for Georgia fans who really want to feel confident how the dogs are using this unique and special weapon, maybe more touchdowns may be the answer to all of that. And we'll see if that does progress as the season continues. That is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServePro. And obviously, you know around here that we talk about sponsors, and thankfully, we have a great collection of them. We also use the sponsors that we have. We told you last week about ServePro being here in our building. We <laughs> It's all put back together for the most part now, which I'm actually, it really is like it never happened. I'm like, this is what it looked like, what, two Saturdays ago? And, uh, you know, I'm back eating my lunch in the break room again. And folks are meeting in that conference room that you saw to the left there. Carpet's back down. Our studio's back put together again. And this was a disaster uh, like two Saturdays ago. And it's all done now. And the folks at Surpro got it all done. So I'm thankful for that and really glad they've been able to do for us what uh, they've done. And by the way, if you face your own cleanup issue at your home or your business, your, your commercial property, whatever you might have, our friends at SurfPro can take care of your fire damage, water intrusion, whatever you might have going on. They can do all that for you, just like they did that for us. So go to SurfPro.com for more. That's S-E-R-V, SurfPro.com, and that'll get you in touch with them today obviously every surpro franchise independently owned and operated that means you're doing business with someone who's got just as much of a stake in the outcome as you do and i can tell you they did great work for us and i know they will do for you as well surfpro.com s-e-r-v surfpro.com for more on that all right it's great to have you here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp here today before we're done there is a pocket of Georgia fans who still sort of feel like there's a little too much hype for uga right now it's a way that makes them feel uncomfortable I've actually got some comforting words for folks who think that Georgia's gotten too much hype. We'll do that before our show is done. Got some interesting SEC news to cover, including somebody who believes there may be a conspiracy involving UGA. This is actually pretty fascinating. We'll do this before we're done on the program today there as well. But for everything else around the dogs, including the game on Saturday against Kent State, what we want to see from Darnell Washington, the Heisman Trophy push for Stetson Bennett, so much more. Let's have a Marlowe's Tavern insider update with our good friend Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Certainly appreciate Terrence Edwards, the great former Georgia wide receiver, being with us here today. Of course, it's a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update, so happy to have uh, Terrence with us there for that. And Terrence, I want to bring into the conversation I was just having a moment ago. I think that Darnell Washington is a point of fascination for a lot of UGA fans because he's this, and Kirby's talked about it, he's this really unique combination of size, as big as almost anyone you'll see, athleticism, literally far more athletic than men who are you know, a fraction of his size. And a lot of Georgia fans kind of have this, you know, really strong intent to see Georgia use him to the highest level possible. I actually think that Darnell's had a pretty good season for Georgia here thus far this year. What would your evaluation of that be? How Georgia has used him and maybe more of what you'd like to see from Georgia with Darnell before the season is done? 
Um, I'm I'm right on par with you. I think uh, Darnell is playing his, his best football. Uh, I heard throughout the grapevine that he had a, a great camp, probably his best camp uh, thus far. And one of the reasons he's healthy, he's finally healthy and not dealing with any of those foot injuries that he's had to deal with in the previous years. But I just think he's, he, he has done a great job utilizing his just God-given talent. That's his height, that's his weight, and his catching ability. I mean, you just think about it. He is the size of a offensive tackle. Uh, he's 6'7", 280, um, and he moves very well to be that big. So you don't have to bring in now an extra tackle, and he's a mixed match uh, in the screen game. If you watch a couple plays last week, you know, they motioned him out to be an outside receiver or inside receiver, and he blocked on the screen game, yeah. and he's just destroying those safeties and corners. So uh, I, I think Georgia's using him exactly how he, he needs to be used. Yes, I would like to see in the red zone he get more opportunities, but I'm pleased with his performance so far. So I'm not an X and O's expert. I don't pretend to be one. That's not you know the stick that I'm trying to uh, cultivate around here. But when I'm watching the game, you just pointed out something I'm always fascinated by, that when you put these tight ends on the move, and a guy like Darnell Washington here, there as well, in kind of a sort of a lead blocking situation, and you put a, whether it be a running back on a screenplay or, or you know receiver kind of going in motion behind that, I, Terrence, I literally don't know what opposing defenses are supposed to do. That is so hard to stop. We obviously think about the Georgia tight ends as great pass catching weapons and they are but when the tight end kind of you know goes in motion becomes that lead block blocker on a play like that and you put the uh the target for the football kind of behind all that terrence that is such a difficult adjustment for a defensive player to make on the fly because you just can't get to the guy with the football it's such a well-designed play it's a big part i think of what todd munkin's doing here offensively and sometimes i kind of find myself saying if i was trying to draw this up defensively i really just don't know what you do about that so now with the rule change, B.A., back when I played and even a few years ago, when they have a, a, a bigger tight end or an offensive lineman pulling out to take on corners and safeties, corners and safeties used to cut block them. Yeah. And now you can't do that anymore. Now you have to man up and, and take those guys on high. And the advantage is to the offensive player now. So it's, it's really hard for a 190-pound cornerback to be able to absorb the blocking of Darnell Washington, who's six seven, two eighty. So the advantage goes to the offense, and Todd Monken has done a great job of using that to his advantage. Even if it's a screen to Kenny McIntosh, which is I just really think is an extension of the running game or wide receiver screen. I think last week uh, they may have did a tight end screen with Brock, and now have Darnell out blocking for him. So he's he's a he's a problem not in just in the passing game, but in the blocking game as well. And I guess the, my, the final thought for me on this, and I talked about this a little bit before you joined us, is so maybe the only sort of next step here is maybe just more touchdowns that, you know, if he continues on the same statistical pace he's on right now, you're talking about the kind of year that Georgia receivers had a year ago, so he's clearly a part of the offense. But admittedly, fewer touchdowns. I think he only has, what, the one in his career SEC championship game from a year ago. So maybe that's something to hope for against Kent State on Saturday, that he's targeted in the red zone, maybe gets a touchdown there. But I think for the Georgia fans, you just want to make sure you're getting the most out of Darnell, finding a way to get him in the end zone a few times before the season goes. That might make everybody, Darnell included, feel like he was well used here this season. Is that is that a safe assumption? Uh, you know, everyone wants to score touchdowns. That's why we play <laughs> offense. It's to score touchdowns. And, 
and and I know Darnell would like to get in the end zone as well and and show off his 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 dance moves now and all the other stuff. But I think uh, I don't know the young man personally. I've uh, just seen him in passing, but just from his body language and his play, he's perfectly happy in the role that he's playing right now. But I mean, if you just remember the touchdown he did score last year against Alabama, and I think it was in the SEC championship game, yeah. where he just went over the top of uh, Toto's head. And it's one nothing that the Alabama linebacker could do. So I would love to see uh, Darnell use more in the red zone. But I think at the end of the day, I think Darnell like uh, the position that he's in, the way Georgia's using him. And, I mean, he's playing the whole game, but we all like scoring touchdowns. There's no doubt about that. Uh, something we talked about on our post-game show on Saturday, and we've actually kind of talked about this a couple of times since then, is the likelihood that Stetson Bennett is like a real part of the Heisman Trophy conversation. This isn't one of those things now that's, hey, wouldn't it be cool if this happened or can you imagine, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is actually kind of a real thing right now, that the Georgia offense is playing at an incredibly high level. Bennett's obviously a huge part of that, throwing the football also with his legs there as well. You know, I think you've kind of said that you've sort of evolved your opinion on this after one point thinking, "Eh, I'm not quite so sure, to all of a sudden now saying, yeah, why not? I think we have to consider moving into the fourth game on Saturday with a big slate of SEC games to come for several consecutive weeks beyond the Kent State game on Saturday. But Stetson Bennett, if this same trajectory continues, is very much a part of the Heisman Trophy conversation, is he not? Oh, I think so. I changed my tone uh, from two weeks ago, and, and I just didn't think it would happen. But just the way now the media is pushing uh, the Georgia program, we're ranked number one. We've just been talked about as, you know, we've kind of surpassed Alabama. It's like, is it Georgia or the field? And Stetson is the quarterback, and he's the driving force of this Georgia team right now. Uh, I, I don't think anyone gave him any credit because of our historical defense. Uh, but you just go look at the numbers. Stetson played well last year, but he's, he's even playing even better now, and the spotlight is on him. He is the reason. Georgia's where we at right now. If he's continuing to play this way, and I and I posted this the other day, I was like, all y'all Stetson non-believers, raise your hand right now. Let's let's start getting behind this young man because no one wanted this young man back at, for a sixth year. Everybody was ready for the young guys, but no, I came on time and time again, and and just Stetson is all guy, and he's proven that. And if he continues to play, he's going to be a serious contender in Heisman. And I saw some numbers. For the SEC passing leaders, and he's number two, and haven't even played a fourth quarter yet. Just imagine that. So, if he continues to play this way, and we believe we would be in the SEC championship against Alabama, and we've undefeated, there's no way he can't be in that discussion. And I'll say this too, Terrence, to go along with what you're saying: if George is going to continue throwing the ball the way they are right now then it is entirely possible they don't play a close game. Now, eventually, I do think they'll play a close game. Eventually, they'll be challenged, and we obviously know that the teams like Alabama and Ohio State potentially provide a quite formidable challenge. But the issue with Georgia right now is, in addition to playing defense that's given up 10 points in three games and everything else that Georgia's kind of famous for, the brute physicality and everything else, they've also added this level of passing attack to this. They're scoring like 44 points a game right now at the moment they've done that with two of the three games coming against power five competition something that a lot of teams in the country can't say right now teams ranked ahead of georgia in terms of the overall you know offensive production that if georgia for a full season is going to throw the ball like this 
then it really may not be close, Terrence, because all of a sudden now they've added the one dimension that some people said a year ago they didn't have. Well, if this continues, you can't say they don't have that anymore. Right. So I just think if, you know, if we continue to throw the football the way we're throwing and we can add in uh, the running game, and I'm not the biggest concern as, as a lot of people why we're not running the ball because I consistently come over and say the screen game is, is a part of the running game. Um, it's, it's a high percentage throw. You're getting your best players out in space, and you allow him to, to make plays. So if Kenny McIntosh continues to get 8 to 10 yards on a, on a screen play, you really don't have to run the ball. But I would like for us to you know get, get those guys and the offensive line just moving people around, and I think we did against South Carolina, so that was good to see. And then the defense, man. You know, defense could play the way, way they play without the best player. Uh, Jalen Carter playing as uh, not playing many snaps. Uh, the sky's the limit, and I continuously see just how many guys that they're rotating. And that was one of the things that I talked about last year was, yes, we lost so many guys to the draft defensively, but nobody really never talked about how many guys played, how many of those guys was actually contrib- contributors to uh, that national championship team. So the stage is not too big for the – guys who are named starters on paper now what would you like to see from uh the game against kent state on saturday anything that you think that georgia can accomplish anything you'd like to see more of you mentioned some of the running back stuff there a moment ago but you know kind of beyond that what would a guy like you who played the game be looking for from the dogs against the golden flashes on saturday let's come out healthy that's that's my biggest concern let's come out with no major injuries let's just go and play a complete football game um like I said last week, you know, coming and playing Sanford, you know, the, these are these are young men, and it's hard to get up for those type games. And yes, we was all say disappointed on a thirty-three to zero victory, but I just want to see execution. But my biggest concern is I would just want to see these guys come out healthy because now we're going to hit this SEC road grade that we're going to need all our guns loaded to. Uh, go out and try to repeat. And I think we have the team to, to do that. We just got to stay injury-free and keep these guys upright and healthy throughout a 12-game season. want to ask you a final question here in a moment. Before that, let me remind folks, this is our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. And don't forget, still some time for you to enjoy the great event taking place right now at Marlowe's Tavern. One of my favorite things about the fall is it means the return of ribs and whiskey uh, to Marlowe's Tavern. Somebody reminded me of the uh, – terrific widespread panic song about the same topic well listen that's good music but this is also great great uh food and delicious cocktails there as well that is what uh marlo's tavern is all about the great barbecue item and they're like the special rubs and sauce you can get to go with ribs uh the really fun sides like the fried macaroni and cheese that is so good how about bourbon bread pudding for dessert kind of one of the cool things they have going on this time of year and as i said before anytime marlo's got some sort of special menu items going on you know they'll have some great cocktails to pair with that the ribs and whiskey event no different so stop by the tavern right there in your neighborhood or check out marlo's tavern.com for more about a great time of year to be at marlo's tavern with the ribs and whiskey event as we head towards the fall this is good stuff but you got to take advantage of this before really too much longer so get there now and enjoy all of this uh as we uh kind of finish off the month here with some great stuff with ribs and whiskey there at marlo's tavern all right terrence i want to finish with this this is a question that we're getting a lot here right now 
is obviously a guy that you know very well. Uh, now in Alabama, Jermaine Burton. And some Georgia fans you know, have kind of noticed that maybe the stat line for Burton may not be what he thought it was going to be going to Tuscaloosa. And certainly Nick Saban kind of bragged a little bit about what he thought he was going to be able to do with Jermaine from a stat standpoint compared to what he maybe Saban insinuated he was not doing there at UGA. And thus far through three games for Burton, that ne- hasn't necessarily been true there in Tuscaloosa. I like Jermaine. I don't have a bad word to say about him. And don't even really wish him all that you know ill even though he went to a a rival like Alabama but this is the kind of thing that's also getting a lot of attention for UGA fans primarily because of some of the stuff that Nick Saban said about this do you think that Jermaine is happy at Alabama right now yes yes he he is still happy uh if you go and look at the games closely uh the last two games if Bryce Young hit him on two deep passes uh his numbers will look better than they are now. Uh, I think he's happy. Uh, I mean, a lot of people want to speculate of why he left, and no one knows but him and the people that are close to him, the reason why he left. Uh, and I just say this, George is happy, Jermaine is happy, we all should be happy and move on. Well, I think that's well said, Terrence, and that's why I'm uh, glad you had a chance to speak on that issue here today. And, of course, we always appreciate you being with us for our Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. Really good stuff from you each and every week, and we'll look forward to seeing you this Saturday for the Dog Nation postgame show there as well, hopefully talking about another dominant UGA victory. So, Terrence, thanks for your time, and we will look forward to talking to you then. Thanks, B.A. Good stuff there from Terrence Edwards. And before we roll on here, so this is not so much an announcement as it is kind of a brainstorming session. That's sort of an idea that I had. So when we do the Dog Nation postgame show, we, of course, do it from the UGA bookstore, and this is always really fun. One of the things that a lot of you like to do is you like to come over and say hello to us there at the uh, UGA bookstore, which I'm always very grateful for. We're up there on the second floor of the UGA bookstore. We do the postgame show there each and every day, and that's all, or each and every Saturday for the home game. That's always a lot of fun. But this year, we've also done something else for our postgame show, and I would say it's been really well-received. We've been taking Zoom calls, right? So it's like it's kind of like the old school, you know, talk call in radio show type thing. You get a chance to like, you know, come on and vent about the dogs, what you like. So far, it's been mostly what you like because George's obviously dominated in the three games that it's played. So I would say through three games of doing that this year, that's gone really well. We've had some really good commenters and really fun. And Terrence is our co-host there for that. So the whole thing has been really great. But I also had the idea for the game on Saturday. I think we're going to try this and we're going to kick it up a notch, maybe. So this is what I want to try. If you want to be a part of the post-game show and you're there in Athens on Saturday, come see us at the second floor of the UGA bookstore. And what we're going to try to do is, is we're going to try to bring a few of you on live there from the bookstore. Now, what we'll probably have to do is, and I'll be talking during the show, so hopefully uh, I'll have somebody there to help me out with this. We may have to kind of form a little bit of a line, you know, a little bit of a queue, if you will, and we'll bring you on and I'll kind of, you know, talk to you for a little bit, just the same way that a Zoom caller might. And if you're there, you want to pop on, give us a couple thoughts about the dogs there live at the UGA bookstore. This is something I think I want to try. So, we are striving to make the Dog Nation postgame show as interactive as we possibly can be. A big step forward with that is how about the technology to even be able to take these Zoom calls like this when we're out and about on the road as we were in Columbia on Saturday and in Atlanta to begin the season and, of course, in Athens a couple of weeks ago. And now let's take it with the next step interactive. Some of you kind of hang out and just sort of watch the show anyway. 
So why not come on over? I'll put you on camera. We'll talk for a couple of minutes and we'll have to kind of keep it, you know, relatively short. No disrespect intended, but relatively short because we've got a lot of calls to get to. Uh, we get Terrence involved there, too. And of course, we want more people who are there to have their chance to speak. But we'll try this and see how it goes. This was actually something really fun that we did during the national championship celebration you may remember in indianapolis right there at the end of the game uh, a lot of folks streaming out of the stadium came by and were part of the show with us uh security was not thrilled with us for uh, doing that there in the stadium the way we did because they were trying to get everybody out of the stadium but we had a great time there that night it was a ton of fun and so i think we're going to try this in athens on saturday come by stop by the show we'll give you a couple of minutes worth of airtime there and we'll just talk some dogs after what we hope is a very good game in athens on saturday so if you've never come by to see us but you want your kind of you know moment to talk some dogs or if you just want to say hello to me and give me a chance to say hello to you come up to the second floor of the uga bookstore on saturday after the game and we'll do that as a part of the dog nation post game show presented by the uga bookstore let's take a look around the rest of the league this is sec through so hopefully all that was clear that makes sense if you want to come by be a part of the show we'd love to have you and we'll kind of work some of you guys in as live callers so to speak as we also take our zoom callers and talk to terrence and listen it's not the dog nation post game show if we don't have 50 balls in the air kirby smart press conference terrence edwards uh joining us you know a lot of dog fans kind of weighing in too we're trying to create the most chaotic scene possible for the dog nation post game show and i think we're succeeding in doing that but it's also a lot of fun so we'll see you on saturday after the game for all of that and hopefully we'll also see you this april too as we go cruising around the sec with royal caribbean we do that each and every day but we'll be cruising with royal caribbean with all of you coming up on independence of the seas in april as we uh, leave out of port canaveral going to nassau in the bahamas going to perfect day coco Cay and having a just super enjoyable time. I love Independence of the Seas. It was a ship we got a chance to be on last year. And I think the thing that will be always my indelible memory from that cruise was the final night of the cruise. You understand, like when you get out kind of like in some of those Caribbean waters, like the weather, especially springtime, is just perfect. And you have these gorgeous sunsets. And it's like you feel like you're in air conditioning, like perfect, like 70 degrees or whatever. You know, just perfect temperatures. And the sun's kind of setting, and we were all kind of like on this kind of like, it's not really like a rooftop bar, but like the, it was like a high deck with like a bar area for our watch party for the, the uh, for the, the the NFL draft. And it was just like this sort of perfect setting for a great night for UGA. Every time a Georgia player got drafted, we had this huge, you know, celebration. The entire cruise ship was looking at us. It was just such a wonderful experience. And as luck has it, or as we plan to have it, this year's dog nation cruise the same experience the final night of the cruise is the nfl draft once again we think it's going to be a huge draft party for the dogs once again at least uh with several dogs prominently a part of all of that so it's going to be a great way to close out our second cruise with dog nation and in addition to the specialty dog nation events you also get the regular stuff that makes independence of the sea so fun with the royal caribbean great specialty restaurants terrific bars trip to coco k perfect day coco k and the wonderful private island oasis that that is of course all the amenities to enjoy on board the ship there too it's just a wonderful experience with royal caribbean independence of the seas if you've got more questions about this if i'm not telling you everything you need to know then go to the website royaldogs.com this is a special website set up by our friend jessica slater to give you information on the dog nation cruise royaldogs.com you can also uh give her a call 770-718-9147 770-718-9147 just tell her the ba said to call you if we had any questions because jessica can answer them all 
and you'll find out that it really is as fun as I say it's going to be. And you should also go ahead and book your other cruises. I've got a couple of what I'm calling practice cruises to get ready for the uh, big one there in April. I've got a you know, getaway on Wonder of the Seas coming up in December, which I'm really excited about. Another cruise coming up in February, which I'm really excited about. And then a great chance to be with all of you there in April. And Jessica Slater is the one that I trust to book all of my Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. So call her 770-718-9147, 770-718-9147, or check out royaldogs.com for more information. All right, let's get some cruise around the SEC news, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Matt Hayes is a writer that some of y'all sometimes kind of... Uh, I guess, I don't know, maybe he said something in the past that some of y'all don't like, because sometimes I get some pushback from some of y'all about Matt Hayes. I think he's kind of an interesting writer, you know, and this is certainly an example of digging deep for content. So at Saturday Down South, he had a piece up about the fact that Georgia is not going to Texas A&M next year. Um, and he sort of suggests that must be some sort of conspiracy, because from the time that A&M has been in the league, taking back 2012 up until now, and even next year in 2023, Georgia's actually only played Texas A&M one time. That was in 2019. And they've never been to College Station. And so Hayes sort of suggests this is a conspiracy because over that same span, Florida is about to be in College Station three different times. 2012, 2020, and you know coming up here soon there as well. And he says there's an imbalance here that must be a conspiracy. Now, here's what I'll tell you. It's obviously bizarre that Georgia hasn't played at College Station yet. Technically, I don't think they were scheduled to play there until 2024. So there is a rotation in place. And, and as listen, a lot of people don't like that rotation. And that's one of the reasons why the SEC is about to change its scheduling model. And by the way, I guess if it changes it soon enough, then Georgia may still not go to College Station in 2024. But um, but the scheduling model is what it is. And that's why, you know, Georgia hasn't been to College Station yet. And people say, well, if, if that's the case, then how come Florida is about to be there for the third time? As Hayes somewhat pointed out in his piece, but probably could have you know dug deeper into, 2020 was a weird year. Georgia played Arkansas two consecutive years in 2020 and 2021, something it wasn't supposed to do. Um, the SEC in 2020, as all of you will remember, was scrambling just to have a season. And when the SEC network came on TV that sort of late summer day to announce what the 2020 schedule was going to look like, I don't think any of us knew what to expect there on all of that we weren't sure how many of georgia's normal opponents was going to keep and how normal the schedule was going to look turn come to find out it was a bit more normal than not but there were extra games added because you didn't play your non-conference games at all that year and so 2020 literally doesn't count now the other thing the sec office told hayes about the 2012 season was is that that also didn't count really for florida either because that was kind of a, like a gap year or a bridge year whatever it was called and the thing that i don't believe that hayes brought up in his piece which is kind of an important part of all this is it's much the same way that florida has kind of gone to uh college station sort of more than its fair share over the course of this sort of decade span decade plus span georgia also during that same tenure 2011 and 2012 or i should say 2012 and 2013 went to uh auburn in back-to-back -back years so it's not like georgia's gotten some sort of break from the sec schedule by not going to college station for a long time as a big thorn in all of our sides that uh that georgia had to play at auburn in back-to-back -back years so georgia certainly took one for the league there as well florida going to college station a couple of extra times is simply their version of that but it's not like georgia hasn't you know had to you know swallow hard on a couple of things related to the sec scheduling stuff you know going to auburn back-to-back -back years is kind of an example of that and then lo and behold georgia turned around and sort of seemingly cooperated with them again to uh to move the auburn game a little earlier in the schedule to benefit the tigers who didn't like playing 
Alabama and uh, Georgia so close to the end of the year. But uh, nonetheless, I actually don't hate Hayes as a writer. I think he's kind of an old school, you know, find a strong opinion, argue it pretty vehemently. I don't, I don't mind Matt Hayes, the columnist. I, that's the guy I grew up reading the sporting news. Uh, in this particular case, I don't really quite see the conspiracy as it, it relates to Georgia and Texas A&M. But anytime someone mentions the word Georgian conspiracy in the same sentence, he sort of got me hooked there at that point in time. So uh, I, I guess mission accomplished from him. I did read the story, but uh, hopefully we explain why there is very little in the way of conspiracy there on all of that. There's some hype growing around this Florida-Tennessee game, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, a couple of notes that, uh, or at least a note that I've learned, which I think is kind of interesting. This is actually the most, according to people who follow this for a long time, you know, uh, Tennessee is a 10 and a half point favorite against Florida right now. This is the most that Tennessee is believed to have ever been favored in this series, even dating back, like, to the 1970s. Uh, we've never seen an instance in which Tennessee was this big of a favorite against Florida previous to this. About a touchdown, the most Tennessee's ever been favored versus Florida, but now double digits for this game. So it kind of goes into the theme we've had all week long as we talked about this. Is this just simply too much too soon for a Tennessee team that's only in the second year of Josh Heupel and really kind of struggled to win some SEC games and not necessarily a, you know, a dominant team against the spread in SEC play? Are they really in their own stadium with game day there and national CBS audience there? Are they really ready, able to come out and make a big statement on Saturday? I think they win the game. I'm not quite so sure they're, they're able to make this big statement on Saturday that some people think they're supposed to. But if they do, then all of a sudden you start thinking about November coming here to Athens. All of a sudden that game starts to feel a little bit bigger because of all of that. And also keep my eye on, is it Jack Miller? Is it the name of the backup quarterback for Florida who's been injured? Um, uh, I'd, I'd keep my eye on that situation a little bit. Uh, not because I think that Florida is looking to replace Anthony Richardson. I don't believe they are. But if Florida is shaky with its backup quarterback situation, it seems like right now they are due to injury. And all of a sudden, that may be less comfort that Florida has with running the football with Richardson in a game like this. We know that Richardson's not an accomplished passer through three games, still doesn't have a touchdown pass thrown. But he is obviously a, you know, a, a dangerous guy with his legs. However, you may not feel quite so comfortable running him as much as you want to if you don't really feel like you have a backup quarterback behind him. So typically, we don't talk much about injuries for guys we don't expect to play. But in Miller's case for Florida, the backup quarterback, if he really is banged up, unable to go, then that could change the way that Anthony Richardson is using a game like this. And that's probably worth considering. Then finally, Jalen Hale, four-star wide receiver. This is a guy we've talked about before, has committed to Alabama. So the Crimson Tide gets themselves a pretty good wide receiver there. And of course, from a receiver standpoint, you start thinking about Tyler Williams, who's, you know, within days of making his decision. Uh, obviously, Georgia has been a big time competitor for Williams services quite some time on tomorrow's edition of our show. We'll ask Jeff Sintel if that still remains true in these final days before the decision takes place and kind of how Tyler Williams expects to spend his weekend prior to making his announcement coming up. And then Hakeem Williams is also a name that's been out there there as well. And he's getting closer to making a decision too. But uh, one of these receiver dominoes to fall has fallen. Jalen Hale has chosen Alabama. And by the way, Alabama putting together a very impressive, as you would expect them to do, 2023 recruiting class from an elite recruiting standpoint. Sort of high-end names. They're probably doing better than just about anybody is right now. So a uh, good recruiting success for Alabama. Hail the latest example of that. Georgia looking at wide receiver announcements the next few days with a lot of attention. And we'll get Jeff Sintel more of that on Friday. For now, we'll call this cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, the start of this show seems like six hours ago because we just kind of got into a little bit of a habit of 
doing some long shows. But if you will remember way back to the beginning of the show, we played you a little bit of audio from uh, Joel Klatt, Fox Sports College football analyst, talking about uh, Georgia and what he's impressed with with UGA. In another portion of that clip, hey, uh, 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 Klatt kind of took it to another level in terms of what he used to see from Georgia's arch nemesis, Alabama, that he th- sort of thinks is now kind of true of UGA. This is interesting, and I want to kind of give you a little bit of a topic on the other side of this. Let me let you hear Joel Klatt first on just how good he thinks Georgia is right now. Some years we would be asking the question right about now, end of September, that we would be asking, or middle of September, is it Alabama or the field in college football? Is it Bama or the field for the national championship? And so for the first time in well over a decade, it's not Bama that you put into that sentence. It's Georgia. Is it Georgia or the field? And judging by the way that they've played early this season, a conference game, a ranked matchup against Oregon, I'm taking Georgia. So I think that's kind of interesting. A lot of you don't like that. That sort of feels like too much hype for Georgia. I understand where you're coming from. That doesn't really bother me too bad. But I didn't want to address this for a moment. For the people who think, ah, oh, Joel Klatt saying what he said, Peter Burns saying what he said, other folks with the internet presence saying what they're saying, that's just too much hype for Georgia. Here's the one thing I think we need to all understand about the national landscape right now. We've had three weeks of the season, four weeks if you count week zero, but the national title contenders have all played three games here thus far, here this year. And what I think is interesting about these first three games of the year is none of the other big national teams have really asserted themselves at all yet and that's obviously about to change like Ohio State only barely beat Notre Dame and Notre Dame has turned out not to be a very good team at all but we do think eventually Ohio State will play better they didn't play well against Notre Dame eventually they'll play better like Michigan hasn't played any team of note on up, up to this point in the season but they do play Maryland on Saturday that if they dominate Maryland in Big Ten play all of a sudden, now they're going to start getting some more hype. Like Clemson barely beat Georgia Tech. We think that Clemson will eventually play better. I'm honestly not sure it comes this Saturday against Wake Forest, but they could also be another team that kind of joins the national conversation at some point. I've told you before, you can set your watch to Alabama feeling a little disinterested in September. seems like they are that way a lot. But by the time October rolls around, this will be games for Alabama against Texas A&M and, and Arkansas and teams like that, 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 Alabama will eventually kind of assert itself on the national landscape at some point. I think you do have to keep your eye a little bit on USC. They play Oregon State on Saturday. I think that's a pretty fascinating game. Oregon State's probably better than you realize. Um, But USC's a team right now that obviously there's a great hope that they could make the west part of the country, the west coast of the country relevant. So eventually they might get some hype. But but through three weeks, the only two national teams that have any level of attention being paid to them whatsoever – George, I'd say Oklahoma is a little bit of that, uh, you know, because of what they've done here through the first couple of weeks. But really, it's kind of George in a category by itself. But even if Georgia keeps playing the way that it's playing right now, eventually someone else naturally is going to join that conversation. Bama, Ohio State, you know, in the case of the Buckeyes or Michigan, that could come as soon as this week. Clemson, that's maybe true there as well. But eventually teams will join George in the national conversation. So right now, the reason why it sort of feels like that Georgia is so far out in front of everybody else is partially due to the fact that we haven't seen the other title contenders play very many interesting games. And in a couple of instances, those teams didn't play their best game. But eventually from that group that I just mentioned, 
one or two contenders will clearly emerge. And so for Georgia fans who think right now the dogs are just getting too much hype, eventually there will be somebody else to absorb some of that hype. So at that point, you'll have a little bit less to worry about. So as we uh, wrap up here today, of course, you'll notice I'm wearing the Eddie T-shirt here. The official mascot of Dog Nation Daily now represented on Dog Nation gear. If you go to the top of the page of DogNation.com, you can find your link to get your own Eddie t-shirt. You can enjoy Eddie the Blind Squirrel uh, right there on your t-shirt, the same way that I am here right now. We invite you to do that. Also, in our ongoing mockery of Florida, let's give out our golden shoe winner for today. Our buddy Matt Rukavina checking in on that. He says, here's how we deal with gators here in Houston. That's where Matt lives. Haul them off via tow truck because we know that they're junk. Ha, ha, ha. It gives you the hashtag golden shoe, which I love to see. I also noticed in that very large gator that the uh, mouth is taped shut. I can't help but think if Dan Mullen's mouth had been taped shut last year, maybe he'd still be employed there at Florida. Maybe Mullen should have taken a cue from that lousy stinking gator. Uh, by the way, uh, Gator Hater Updater, long time since Florida's won a national championship. About 5,000, five days. Little palindrome number there on that. And Gator Hater Countdown dogs back in jacksonville 37 days from right now beating up on florida again that is our gatorator countdown we will see all of you tomorrow right here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp